Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. Welcome to the Rankings Podcast, where we feature top founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys and share their inspiring stories. Now, let's get started with the show. Chris Stryer here, CEO and founder of Rankings.io, where we help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings. You're listening to the Rankings Podcast, where I feature top business owners, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys. Speaking of elite personal injury attorneys, I have Nima Romani on the show today. Nima is the president and co-founder of West Coast Trial Lawyers, a premier Los Angeles personal injury law firm. Nima graduated from UCLA at the age of 19 and Harvard Law School at the age of 22, making him one of the youngest graduates in a 200-year history for the law school. Over the course of his career, he has handled thousands of cases and his, has helped his clients obtain more than $1 billion in settlements and judgments. Nima, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. Good to see you. Yeah, great to see you. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to speak with you. So, we, we have to jump right in. We have to talk about graduating Harvard at the age of 22. You know, what drove you to accomplish this feat at, at such a young age? So I was a super nerd growing up. I still am. I like to nerd out about the law. I like to nerd out about SEO, as you know. You know, when I was a kid, I, I skipped some grades. So I was able to graduate high school early at 16. You know, I, I went into college, took a lot of APs. So I started as a junior even though I was taking a minimum caseload, graduated in three years, went straight to law school. So, you know, started law school at 19, finished at 22. And, you know, I was working for big firms, you know, at the age of 20, I was at Gibson Dunn and then O'Melveny and Myers, some of these big corporate firms. Uh, and that's where I got my start. Yeah. So did you know just right away, hey, I'm going to be an attorney. This, this is my path and, and just kind of pursued it. Yeah. I mean, from a young age, my grandfather was a judge. You know, I knew I was going to be an attorney prosecutor, judge, didn't work out that way, at least for the last part. Uh, you know. So um, it's something I always wanted to do. I love being in a courtroom, even as a child, you know, I would, I was one of those like guys with a sign. I mean, I'll debate you about anything. I was one of those crazy people. So um, it's something that was always planned and it ended up kind of working out for me. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And, and I, so you just had your eye on the prize. You knew exactly where you're going. So it's, it's, you could take really intentional actions on everything that you were learning and hearing and, and just, you know, being surrounded by all of that. So, you know, after you graduated, you got, uh, you worked for O'Melveny and Myers, you know, a large law firm right out of law school. So what was it like to jump right into the fire and represent clients, you know, like Disney and Marriott and these other huge organizations? Yeah, I mean, a completely different animal, right? So right now we're representing ordinary people. Oftentimes the first time they've ever even talked to a lawyer, right? You know, they're scared. Mm -hmm. There's a real sort of emotional component there. One of these big, huge corporate firms, you know, entirely different. You're dealing with a general counsel, deputy GC of a company, really sort of sophisticated 
clients, uh, entirely different calculus for them. You know, it's, it's different, right? You know, we were representing some of the biggest corporations in the world. They'd been clients of the firm for 50, 100 years, some of them. And instead of having thousands of cases like we do now, I would work on only four or five cases at a time, really huge multi-million or multi-billion dollar litigation. So it was good to kind of cut my teeth on those massive cases, even though I was handling just one aspect as part of a team instead of handling everything like we do now on you know, a, just a smaller case involving an individual. So it was a great experience, but you know, it just wasn't for me. I didn't like doing the defense work, defending those companies. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I left the firm, it was challenging. We were hired to represent the Catholic Church in the sex abuse cases, not the individual priests, but the church. And you know, when that happened, I just knew it was my time to go. It's not why I went to law school or what I wanted to do. So, so let's, let's talk about that where you formed, you know, you're the co-founder of West Coast Trial Lawyers. So when you kind of came to this clarity that, hey, this isn't for me, I want to go on the, upper, on, on the other side. I want to go on the plaintiff's side. I want to help these injured victims. You know, was it just, oh, I'm done? Was there a planning uh, aspect? How did, how did you go about informing West Coast Trial Lawyers? So I, I got to give credit to my partner, Alan. Mm-hmm. So he's the one that really pushed me to do it. I got to give a little bit of the backstory. So once I left O'Melveny, well, well let me start why I joined O'Melveny. So sure. I at Gibson Dunn my first summer. My second summer, I was deciding between Latham and Watkins, O'Melveny and Myers. Those were at the time, you know, really considered the three huge corporate law firms in LA. They called them the big three. Alan, my partner, recruited me to O'Melveny. So he was a young associate at the time. He left some years later to start his own firm and he did everything, but ultimately developed a pretty successful plaintiff's practice. I went in and I became a prosecutor. I went to the U.S. Attorney's Office and then was prosecuting public corruption cases in the city of L.A. And I was being vetted for a judgeship. That was always the plan. I wanted to be a judge and I was well on my way. Well, a couple of things happened. You know, I had two kids back to back. And my wife, who's an attorney for foster kids, and I were working for the government at the time, and we were, we were broke. We just couldn't afford to both work as government attorneys. So we had a, just to come to Jesus talk, and she sat down and she said, one of us needs to get a real job and go back to the private sector. And that one of us was me. So I almost went back to the firm um, as a you know, kind of junior non-equity partner to maybe generate a book of business to see how that went. But Alan at the time he had separated from his partner for a number of reasons his partner wanted to do billable cases alan wanted to only do plaintiff's work so alan approached me he said look let's start a new firm let's do plaintiff's work let's do personal injury my initial reaction was absolutely not um, i'm not going to be that guy on a billboard or a bus bench and that's just not me he said no you're really going to like it you know I'm like, why would i like it he's like you are going to help people or you're going to go after the bad guy this is the closest thing to being a prosecutor and actually getting paid. And it kind of sold me on this vision of this different higher end personal injury practice. And, and you know, I, I got to give him credit. Uh, it took him a while, but I'm glad he did. And I'm very happy with what we've accomplished so far. What were it like during those early days? 
was it, did Alan already have like a good stream of business from his marketing efforts or was it both of you really hustling to, to bring in the cases or, or was it, you know, just the reputation and you had those referrals? What was it like in those early days? Once we started, Alan's former partner had bought him out. So we didn't have anything uh, in terms of cases. And when we sat down to come up with a business plan, you know, and I, I knew all the folks in town that were doing radio and TV and billboards and so forth. You know, they, they've been doing it for years and the market was saturated. And I said, look, how can we compete with these guys? You know, they have a 10, 20 year head start. So we decided to go in a completely different direction, which was digital. So when we started, and this was back in 2014, we made a commitment. We are only going to do digital advertising, whether it's obviously Google, whether it's organic, whether it's paid, Yelp being Yahoo, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, there's Snapchat. There's no digital platform that we do not advertise on. So that's why we went in that direction. It was a newer, more emerging market. And we decided to uh, focus all our efforts on there. So in the beginning, it was challenging, as you know, trying to rank a site, especially in a location and demographic, really uh, as competitive as LA. So it took a while. It took about two years for us to really kind of hit our stride. And, you know, I'm glad we uh, and made those efforts and in investing because now they're starting to pay off. Yeah. And I, I think you had the foresight to kind of see where the future was going. You know, everyone's got right in arm's length, their, their mobile device. And now it's probably just compounding because you're one of those first adopters. And, you know, I've seen your Yelp reviews. I, I don't know how many you have right now, but it's more than any other firm that I'm aware of. <laughs> so yeah, you guys, well, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's been a, a benefit for us. It, it's good and bad. You know, uh, I, I love Yelp and you know, the, those Yelp reviews are very helpful, but you know, we need to provide a sort of different level of service. We overstaff our cases in terms of uh, attorneys and non-attorneys because you can't write a, a bad review for a, you know, TV ad or a billboard, but you certainly can for someone that you found online. So we need to make sure that, we provide amazing service. Otherwise, you know, that's going to affect our business going forward. So, so is, is that still the focus today or are you starting to experiment with some of those traditional uh, forms of advertising billboards, you know, radio, or is, is it still just really laser focused on digital? Laser focused 100% digital. Uh, obviously things have changed over time as you know, Yelp used to rank organically, number one right and that's sort of fallen off so it, it, it's shifted within the digital world uh, as things have changed obviously as you mentioned you know everything's going mobile now you know i think when we started it was you know 70 30 or maybe more you know in favor of desktop obviously that's changed uh, it's still all digital we're just tweaking it within the digital world so, so you've, you've started to generate business and it starts to take off and let, let's kind of flip it on the, uh, on the other end. So, you know, every very few successful business owners get to where they are without making a, a few mistakes. Are there, are there any mistakes that come to mind that, that now you look back and those were great learning experiences? Yeah. I mean, we, we've made lots of mistakes. We've invested uh, in different digital mediums that just really haven't worked out. You know, I can kind of get into some of that, but you know, when, when it comes to personal injury, you really want to be that first call, right? Because if you're the, you know, unlike 
e-commerce, right? If you're the, the fifth business that someone calls, but you close the sale, you know, you close the sale. You're the fifth law firm someone calls. That's the case that's been rejected by four other firms. So, you know, we've learned that not all calls are created equal. Not all leads are created equal and to kind of focus on the quality and being that initial call. Um, it, it's really important as opposed to chasing, you know, recycled leads. Yeah. And I think there's a, you know, from, from my conversations, there's a lot of different ways you can run a practice. You can run, you know, super high volume where it's a lot of pre-lit stuff or, or you're trying cases. And I, I think there's different ways to approach it. And, you know, I think you can do it a number of ways. Um, so yeah. So what we're doing, we do both that there are those pre-lit firms that, you know, are marketing mm -hmm. machines and they try to set all their cases and what they can't, they might do some soft litigation. If not, they'll send it out to, the litigation firms and those litigation firms are marketing to the pre-litigation firm. We're doing both. You know, we keep everything in house. We're a couple blocks from a courthouse here in LA for, for better or worse. It, it's worked for us um, and our clients. We don't want to be sending them, them off to other firms um, and relying on those other firms to service them. That might affect, you know, both the results and the client satisfaction. So we end up keeping everything in house. I think that's really smart because then you can turn those clients that have a great experience into an evangelist and, and you know, yeah. certainly know how powerful reviews are for local SEO, just for SEO in general and, and social proof for conversions. Absolutely. I mean, it's key, right? You know, when folks are choosing, a, especially a personal injury firm, you know, that consideration period is so low. I like to compare it to medicine, right? If it's, you know, someone wants to get Botox or some sort of plastic surgery, they kind of think about it. You know, it might take days or weeks or even longer before they decide to do it, right? Or hair restoration, whatever the case may be. But if you're an orthopedic trauma surgeon doing rotator cuff surgery, no one's thinking about that. No one's thinking about ever needing a personal injury. When you need that service, you're going to make a decision within 24 hours, maybe 48 hours. So it's a very quick emotional decision. You need a lawyer like yesterday. So that social proof is very powerful when you're deciding between different firms. I couldn't agree more. And, and, and also that social proof, when you have a high review rating, that's when you can rank for those superlatives, top attorney, best attorney. You know, if you have a low review rating, you're not going to show up. Just like if you went on vacation to eat at your, eat at a restaurant, you type best restaurants near me, you wouldn't see the, the ones and twos or the other restaurants yeah. with low amount of reviews. I, I also, I kind of want to stick here. You, you led me right into it. So, so in terms of the social proof, your firm's worked with a lot of celebrities. You've got celebrity endorsements from Carmen Electra, Johnny, or John Manziel. So how, how have those impacted the firm? Or by congregating with these types of individuals, does it um, kind of draw in other celebrities to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get um, different celebrities that'll call us. We don't do any transactional work. So, you know, I'm not negotiating deals or writing agreements, but, you know, I have a lot of litigation experience. So one a celebrity is involved in litigation, we'll take those cases. Uh, it'll be a one-off. It might not necessarily be a personal injury or employment case. One, you know, obviously I, I want to help them out. These are people that I know, but two, it really does sort of resonate with others and people that are considering us, they'll say, okay, well, this guy's been on the news. He's been on CNN. He's represented these clients and it helps on that conversion rate with, with folks that are trying to make a decision between firms and they really don't have a whole lot of information um, to distinguish us between someone else. You know, and I, I've caught myself on your guys' social media because of that. 
so on particularly yeah. on Instagram, I see where you're commenting on cases in the news, like the I can't think of her name, but the the individual that's in the Full House um, college. Oh scandal. yeah, Lori, Lori Laughlin. Yeah. So. Yep. You know, criminal is always the most interesting for the public, um, and reporters they like me because I'm one of the few former prosecutors that doesn't do any criminal defense work. So oftentimes. Uh, criminal defense attorneys, they're conflicted off or they, they're hesitant to say something because it might affect their ability to, to retain business if it's a pending case. But because I'm not chasing after the Lori Laughlin's of the world, I'm always happy to talk about those cases. They're in, they are interesting and it keeps me still involved and relevant in the criminal world. Um, I don't like defense work because I don't like being in a defensive position. I'm an aggressive guy. I like being an offense. So it helps me at least uh, hang on to a little bit of my former life as a prosecutor. So one of the things that, well, that's very smart. And that's one of the, I haven't heard that approach and that's very smart. And I know your SEO team loves you because when you get these quotes in these big publications that, that just helps, you know, those great backlinks from the, 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 the quotes they're looking for. I'm sure that's, that's really beneficial. Well, it's tough as a personal injury attorney, right? What, how many cases are you going to have that are really going to get, you know, local or national media attention, right? It can be, this horrible catastrophic injury, right? A death case or a paralysis case, amputation case. It's just, you know, it, those are very sad cases, but they just don't attract the, the type of media attention that, you know, someone getting arrested does. It's just the reality of the situation. So, Yeah, that, that makes sense. So shifting kind of away from, from marketing, more to more not like HR. So to getting to where your firm's at now, you don't grow to be the size you are and have the success you are without a great team. So I, I like to ask this question, you know, so what's the best way that you find and retain elite talent? Yeah, what we do is I like to give our attorneys, you know, a, a really a, a piece of the action. When it comes to the law, there's, there's two primary ways to make money. The first is your, your typical law firm model, the billable model, a leverage model, where the partners bill out the associates out at X dollars an hour, they pay them Y, and the partners keep the difference, right? The money flows upward. That's typically how attorneys make money. The other way is contingency, right? Where you handle a case, you take the risk as the attorney or the law firm, and when you win, hopefully you win, uh, you get uh, the rewards, uh, the risk that you took. So what we do at our firm is we give our attorneys a piece of all the attorney's fees. So to the extent that we do well, um, they benefit. So we've had a lot of attorneys that have come in, they've embraced this risk, they have a little bit more of an entrepreneurial mindset. They don't mind taking uh, maybe a little bit of a lower base salary um, in exchange for, for this reward. So that model has been pretty successful for us and has allowed us to both attract and retain really amazing attorneys. There are so many nuggets here that I, I want to dive into. So first you've got basically three pricing models, input, output, and value. So inputs like hours and capacity that puts the most amount of risk on the consumer to get the result, least amount of risk risk on the person billing. And sure. then you've got contingency that puts the least amount of risk on the consumer and the most amount of risk on the attorney because they, they don't get paid unless they win. Sure. And it's interesting because I've heard, I love the tying the, the cases into your, your team because 
everyone says they want someone with ownership mentality and to be empowered. Do you find that that gives them this empowerment, this, this sense of ownership mentality to really give it their all? And it's not just a nine to five type of situation. Absolutely. I mean, they have a vested interest in the case, not just, you know, in terms of some bonus they may receive at the end of the year or some discretionary, you know, reward that they get if they, reach certain thresholds or numbers like some other firms do, they get a piece of every single case. Now, I can tell you it's not for everyone. It does give some folks anxiety because uh, lawyers by nature are risk averse. And to have a position like this where, you know, a significant portion of your compensation is based on performance, it's not for everyone. Um, but for those that, you know, come in and they jump in and they do well, they're rewarded. And, uh, and I think they should be. I want to ask one more question on a follow-up on this because this is so interesting to me. This is the first time I've heard where it's kind of all tied in. Normally it's, it's normally just the partners or the equity, you know, that's getting the equity. Do you find that doing this, and I'm kind of asking this for self, for, for self sure. purposes, right? Do I tie in the, the benefit of our business, you know, into a, a profit share like this? So do you find that by doing this, some of the non-performers are kind of weeded out by the, people that are performing, they, that there's a little pressure. I think so. You know, again, some firms, you are profitable just by having a JD and a law license and showing up You're billable, right? That's just mm -hmm. not how it is at our firm. You're only profitable if you can perform and if you can settle or win cases. So for those attorneys that might not be as aggressive, might be very smart, but they're more sort of behind the scenes, law in motion types, it's it just not for them. So it does weed out attorneys that can't move files and move cases, number one. The only sort of challenge that we sometimes do have to work with is, you know, obviously because so much of the compensation is based on the cases themselves. We want to make sure that there's a fair distribution of cases amongst attorneys. Um, and one attorney isn't getting, you know, the higher value cases while the other ones aren't. So it, it can be a challenge to distribute cases in a fair and equitable manner. But other than that, once you get a fair distribution, everyone's starting um, at the same place in terms of, you know, approximate case value and so forth. It ends up working very well for us. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sure, and we don't have to talk about them right now, but I'm sure you've had some of those retrospectives conversations that were just like, Oh man, we, we, we should have went a different direction here with the distribution. Oh, absolutely. In terms of case value, I mean, things can swing dramatically, whether it's a piece of evidence or a witness or, you know, insurance coverage, I mean, any number of things uh, can dramatically affect the value of the case. Um, so, you know, you, you make the, the best judgment that you can at the time in terms of case value, but you need to sort of be willing to, it's like poker, right? You, you kind of get your first two cards and hold them then, you know, you get the flop and things can change and, you know, you got to adjust. Sometimes you want to push forward very aggressively. Sometimes, you know, it, it ends up not being as good of a case as you thought. You need to withdraw entirely. So uh, you, You're speaking my language at the poker. I was a big full tilt <laughs> player before they seized all the money there. Um, oh, nice, yeah. Alan, my partner, has placed in the World Series uh, a number of times from an SEO perspective. And when we started, <laughs> we, did, we, we had to kind of, uh, not to say that's not a big accomplishment, but we wanted to rank him. We, you know, we, we had to get all those sort of cardplayer.com and everything kind of, kind of work its way down. 
Um, that, that's funny. I'm going to have to look up Alan after this actually, because yeah. I've got yeah, a lot of friends do that. So let's, let's shift back to your personal development. So, you know, education there, very focused, are, are there any books that have helped develop your progress? Or are there any books that come to mind that, that you like to recommend in terms of uh, personal development or, and, and also just coaches and mentors? You know, I can't think of anything in particular that, I mean, I, I've read a lot of books, but nothing that I would recommend. You know, one thing I would say, and not to say it, it was a mistake, but I got into this business after I've been practicing for about 12 years or so, I didn't start out of law school. So my advice is if you're going to jump into anything, whether it's your own firm or a small firm, just to do so a little bit earlier in your career. For me, the challenge was, you know, making this decision after I had two small kids and it was just, it was just very challenging those first couple of years, um, trying to raise kids and start a new business. Uh, so don't wait for your hand to be forced. Do it earlier because the sooner you do it, you're going to reap those benefits. Um, the, the other thing I would say is, at least with respect to personal injury, if you want to do it and you want to do it well, not necessarily books, but you really need to understand medicine. It's where law and medicine intersect. So I spend a lot of time with doctors more than um, you could possibly imagine because I've tried a lot of cases I represented a lot of clients, but I did not understand medicine uh, until I really started doing this. So if I spend any time learning, it, it's learning from doctors right now. That, that's been uh, the one takeaway. I think it's an incredible takeaway because not only do you form a relationship with these individuals, it, it's also you can understand where there's potential value that may have been overlooked. Absolutely. And you know, I want to be able to describe you know, how my client suffered and his or her injuries to a jury. And unless I understand the human body and the mechanism and causation and how a bone can break and how it can be repaired and, and those types of things, uh, I'll never be able to really convey that to um, a jury and a judge. So that, that, that's important. That's something I would, you know, tell everyone to at least plan on doing if you're going to travel down this path. Yeah, it's incredible. And then you're, then you appear, more trustworthy because you have expertise on the topic and it allows them to just trust you even more. Uh, Nima. So, so one final question here, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't discussed? No, I mean, I, I got to tell you that you are, you know, the best. It's always great talking to you when it comes to this field, the fact that you and the firms that you work with have been so successful in the most competitive area by far. Um, in, in the country or, or maybe even the world when it comes to Google rankings and everything. So, you know, I tip my hat to you, Chris. It's great always talking to you and I appreciate everything you do for you and your clients. Nima, that's awesome. I, I, I really appreciate it. Guys, we, we've been talking to Nima, elite personal injury attorney of West Coast Trial Lawyers. Nima, where can people go to learn more? Um, check us out. Uh, our website hopefully it ranks well. www.westcoasttriallawyersplural.com. West Coast Trial Lawyers Plural. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Rankings Podcast. We'll see you again next time. And be sure to click subscribe to get future episodes.